I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. It is a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day, and I am really, really thrilled to have a new good friend of mine join us in the lounge. We have Dr. Danica Harris. Hello, Dr. Harris. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here today. That is really awesome. We were talking before we got on the line about the weather. I love talking about the weather because I'm fascinated by it, but you know, it's humid in Texas, and I think that you may be my first guest from Texas. Oh, well. Now that I'm thinking about it. Howdy. Yeah, howdy. Hey, y'all. I love it. Yes, I love it. I love all things Southern. I was actually thinking the other day of making an email that was like a general dump box to just be like, howdy at Eve Hudson. I was like, no, people won't get that unless they're being South. <laughs> so, but I love that you get it. You understand. You understand. But yes, Dr. Herrick, if you will, you know, just tell us about who you are and what you do. And, you know, we just, we're so excited to get to know you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. Yeah, so I am a psychologist in Dallas, Texas. So that means that I have a PhD in counseling psychology. So I have a private practice called Empowered Healing Dallas. And my primary focus, my clinical focus is trauma. So I tend to work with folks who have been either grew up in a household where they experienced trauma or have been a victim of a crime or assault or harm as an adult as well. So that's kind of the work that I do. I am also a first generation college graduate. And so that's a big part of my identity and what I really appreciate sharing with folks. Cause I think that I know for myself when I was in college, this was not an identity that I really understood. And I definitely didn't have any mentors or anybody that I felt like I could talk to about this identity. So it's something I'm excited to share about today. And then I guess other aspects of me, I run an Instagram page called at the empowered therapist, where I share lots of information on mental health and self-care, empowerment-based work, trauma, and some social justice-related pieces. And then I'm also a clinical faculty member at Texas Women's University. You are amazing. Like I'm like, what don't you do? <laughs> you know, like you've got definitely got your plate full, and it's just really interesting to hear all the things that you're doing and how it comes together in the realm, like you said, of psychology. Because mm-hmm. you know, when I was in grad, well, not grad school, undergrad, to be honest with you, we heard of majoring in psychology and it's kind of like, oh, you can't do but so much with that, but like you're clearly doing a lot with it. So that's really cool. Well, thanks. And honestly, it's funny that you mentioned your Instagram page as well, because that's what attracted me to your work. I know I've come across it one way. I don't even know how it happens. Just be very candid. And I was like, this is good. And so like, I, I love the work that you put out, the content that you share. It's awesome. So, you know, you guys, she shared with you what a finder. You definitely need to go find her and check it out because it's good stuff, really good stuff. So kind of thinking on all the things you touched on, especially talking about your first generation identity. Mm-hmm. How did you even come into I guess, discovering your identity as a first gen, because it's not something that's always so obvious to us. 
Yes. Oh, you're so right. It was not obvious to me at all. So when I think back on like when I was in high school, I was a pretty high achieving student and tended to get really good grades and was in advanced classes and things like that. I think there was a lot of emphasis on achievement and doing well and those sorts of things, but I didn't really have like a roadmap for the future. So a lot of my friends were going to college and that was just not a conversation in my household. So right out of high school, I did go to a community college for a little bit that I was working two jobs and it just wasn't working out real well for me. Hmm. So I ended up just in terms of like balance, like it was really hard for me to navigate college classes and working. And at the time I was a makeup artist. That was one of my jobs. And I actually had a client suggest to me that I should get an esthetician's license, which is like skincare and makeup and waxing and those sorts of things. So I did that. And I thought that was a great way for me to connect with folks. And I did that for a number of years and then ultimately always wanted to go to college. So when I had an opportunity many, many years later, I entered into a relationship with someone who had far more financial privilege than I had growing up. And Hmm. he had also gone to college himself. And so he valued it. And we just started talking about between him and I, like, what would it mean for me to go to college? How would we navigate that? And I remember him having so much confidence in it, in, in, in me and in the process and just like, Oh, will you just go sign up? And I remember the fear I had. And I think that was the first time I really like started thinking about like, Oh, I'm different from him. Mm. I'm different from folks who have had someone help them navigate this before. So he really, my partner really helped me navigate the process. But I think that's when I started really cluing in for the first time that, oh, this is a part of who I am. This is a part of my narrative that I, I, I'm a first generation, you know, college student at that time and really having to figure out each and every step on my own. It's really interesting that you, again, you have an esthetician's license. So that's, that's mm-hmm. even really cool. Let's even say that. So you have multiple skills that you've learned how to want to say it this way, cash in on, which is something that's really needed, especially as a first gen as we're trying to navigate these economic spaces uh, professionally and mm-hmm. kind of getting ahead, that's really, really cool. And I think it's really cool that you took your time to navigate as well. Having gone to community college first, although you were having to work the two jobs, it was a lot to carry, I'm sure, but you, you did it. And, you know, curious to know this too, why community college first? Why not, you know, mm-hmm. go straight to a four-year? What was it that happened in between time that charted your path a little differently? Yeah. So initially when I was still in high school, I just, I hadn't applied to any colleges and there was just no, no, there was not going to be any financial support for that. Both of my parents, uh, my mom has a high school diploma, but my dad didn't, didn't even enter into high school. He has like a middle school education. And so there was no conversation about college at all, but there was a, a community college just down the street from our house or not too far. And so I would have to drive by that almost daily to get to work. And so that campus seemed really accessible to me in a lot of ways. I I knew after high school, I needed to do something. I needed to have a skill or a trade or something like that and felt pretty aimless. So I started at community college right after high school when I had just turned 18. And so then when I returned to college years later, I went back to that same community college to finish my associates before going on to a four-year program or four-year university to finish my bachelor's degree because it felt more accessible financially. You know, I didn't have any, again, I didn't have anybody paying for it. I was paying for it. So I needed to do Mm -hmm. what was affordable. Also, I had had a really positive experience there when I had turned 18. I actually had felt pretty supported by administrators when I had questions. So anyway, I ended up just going back there to finish and it ended up taking me two semesters to finish my associates because I was taking like seven or eight classes at a time, but I got it done. (laughs) 
Yeah, clearly so. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was uh, epic. <laughs> That's definitely going to be epic. That is awesome, though. So you're thinking about all things, and I love to hear the backstory of, of who people are and how they become what they are, mm-hmm. because so much of those experiences shape our today. Yeah. Um, which really brings me to my thoughts on the things that you have learned. So you are a PhD, you are clinical faculty, you are an entrepreneur, you are a wife. Looking at all those things and thinking of where you are right now, what is something that you have learned on your own that you wish somebody would have told you so that you're not like, really people? Like somebody could have told me this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think a couple things. I think when I was younger, I like I knew life wasn't fair. And I think growing up in the household I did with like working class values, my parents struggled so much and they, they were a little bit bitter about their struggle. So I think the idea that life wasn't fair was something I was really familiar with or, you know, that it was inequitable in some way. But I think something I've learned both about myself and about the systems that I've operated in is life may not be fair and I am a resilient person. And so by being resilient and using my resilience, I can pave a a way for myself. And by doing so, I've been able to be a role model and example for others in my family as well. So in some ways, I mean, it's not, I definitely don't ascribe to the like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. But in some ways, I think I was terrified and I did it anyway. And I figured out how to, how to tap into my own resources, even though my external environment didn't have the resources I needed. So I think being able to go inward and see like, well, how scrappy can I be and what can I do? to get by. Mm. You said a lot when you said that and you one validate the idea that life isn't fair because people say don't say that mm-hmm. but life isn't fair but then you you go back and say well the practical part of that is you have to navigate anyway and figure it out. Right. And you said that for you that was being resilient which really makes me say oh great time to think about you know the empowered therapist mm-hmm. and what that means because I see you talk you know quite a bit about resilience mm-hmm. in your work and being able to you know just take responsibility even and like pull yourself up by your bootstraps it's not that that's bad but dealing with the life or the hand that life you know dealt you so with that can you talk to us a little bit about even your thought process around the empowered therapist and you know how you help others to be more empowered in their work because you deal with people who like you said have experienced trauma mm-hmm. and are really navigating life differently than those who may not have had as much trauma yeah yeah so yeah I started that Facebook page last June and when I did so I think I was I was in a new transition period for myself I was done with all my training requirements. I was working in a counseling center at the time. I was considering doing some faculty stuff. And so I was in this period of transition and I thought, you know, it's really time for me to get in touch with who do I want to be as a professional, at least in this season of my life. Hmm. And, you know, just through talking with others, I think, I think I was feeling like folks needed to hear a message around empowerment or that I, cause I know for my clients one-on-one, I remember when I would like share with them that healing was possible or that they may get to a place where their symptoms don't continue to fill their awareness and their consciousness every moment of every day, people would be shocked. My clients mm. would feel shocked when I would say that, like, what do you mean healing's possible? Which really caused me to reflect on my own journey and think, you know, there was probably a time in my life where I also didn't believe what I have right now is possible. And yet I was able to do it. And, and I think through a ton of hard work and intention. And so I think I wanted to share with folks that we can all overcome even the worst of pain. 
and and we have to believe in ourselves to do it. So I think a lot mm. of times there's a, a self-critical factor, like when we experience trauma, either relationally or cultural trauma. I think there's this tendency to, to like go inward and be like, well, I'm bad or I'm wrong or I'm a part of this. And I think the reality is that's when we need to be our best friend the most. So my message with the empowered therapist is really encouraging folks to like be on their own side and have their own back because we have to, in order to heal. Who, where were you 15 years ago, <laughs> Dr. Harris? Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. So much, so much, so much to unpack. This is so exciting for me. And here's why. A lot of, of individuals who come from not just first generation, but also low SES backgrounds, mm -hmm. it is not uncommon for these individuals to experience a lot of trauma in the household. Absolutely. And I say, you know, the trauma, be it that there's you know, broken relationships, because trauma, people think trauma just has to be that you, you were abused. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times that trauma is also negligent situations that weren't always intentional, if I can even say that. Absolutely. So is it traumatic to have to help raise siblings when you're a, a child yourself, yeah, it is mm -hmm. because of what it does to you, um, how it affects you and your relationships and who you think you are in the world. But anyway, I'm not a therapist, but you just really hit a lot of buttons. Um, so, you know, thinking about the elements of being empowered as a first gen, especially a first generation college graduate, now navigating the world and still trying to heal from those experiences from childhood. Mm -hmm. That for you to say, you got to pull yourself together and you got to stand up for yourself and you're not just saying it, you have lived it. And that's the difference. The reason that conversations like this mattered because you all, Dr. Harris has said she's experienced the trauma herself. And now she's helping us to get ourselves together to be able to move forward in our lives because we have to fight for ourselves. That was powerful. Mm, thank you. That was good, Dr. Harris. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and people don't say it. They don't say it directly, you know. And though you don't just work with first gen, it's the idea that it is your lived experience and you are now professional reaching back to help pull others, others forward and so meaningful to that experience. Yeah. I'm feeling empowered right now. I'm not even kidding. I'm trying to be funny, but like this is, yeah, you are amazing. And I'm saying that not even kidding. So, um, whew, I want to get back to the questions, but I'm like, yeah, that's just, that was great. That was great. Thinking about all the things we, we've shared uh, or talked about, you know, because we talk about a lot and kind of hit on some points quickly. I know that part. But you said, you know, what you wish somebody would have told you. And that was a little bit about the inequities of life, you know, not being fair. But of course, you figured it out. But on the flip side of things, what would you say is some of the best advice that somebody's actually given to you about life or being a professional or like anything that's really just changed who you become today. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's funny because while I'm first gen and I can easily say that, you know, my parents, we didn't have conversations about college and kind of what the future could really look like from an academic perspective, but my parents are some of the scrappiest people. And when I think about who I am today and like what has actually made me successful, I think it is personal resilience. I think it's also their message around hard work and using my voice mm. and like never, never taking no for an answer. You know, so if one door and I, I watched my parents do this. So even some of this advice isn't verbal, but like things I observed, like if one opportunity, you know, doesn't work, then there might be a different opportunity. And, you know, that's really hard and it's a lot of struggle, but I think my scrappiness has been the thing that helped me to get to where I'm at. When I think about all the opportunities that I took while I was in college and then in graduate school, in many ways that I think my peers 
maybe didn't understand the severity of the experiences or the importance, maybe the importance of the experiences. I really felt like I'm going to get the most out of this because I never thought that this was possible. So I'm going to bust my butt to really make, make something of this. And so I think the advice really to like use my voice and take up space along with the scrappiness, I think that has really been just such an important part that I didn't need to shrink away and hide. Mm, I, I think I like that a lot. Thinking about when we as first gens show up in the workplace, sometimes we do feel like imposters. Absolutely. And we, we and we do shrink ourselves. And so again, another great message to not do that. And again, thinking about your whole platform is built around being empowered. I love how everything is naturally aligning to that same message that you have got to take ownership and you've got to see your own self-worth even, no matter what it, you know what you're doing. I know that you've had some great success in all of the experiences. Again, I know that at the same time, there have probably been some things that have been challenging for you as well. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to share with us maybe something that has been a challenge for you, especially as a first-generation professional, as an adult, mm-hmm. and maybe what you learned from that challenge and thinking about how it shaped your future or is going to shape your future? Yeah, well, I can tell you what immediately comes to mind is kind of in line with what I was just sharing. I think for me, one of the greatest struggles has been burnout. And Ooh. yeah, I think that I have a tendency to go, go, go. And I think so much of that is about like wanting to seize every opportunity and then also just being accustomed and habituated to always working hard. That my self-care has been something that is an ongoing, probably everyday process for me, which is funny because it's part of why I make it such a focus on my Instagram page because, you know, it's kind of like I'm, I'm putting it out there for others, but it's also a reminder for myself that mm. self-care needs to be an everyday routine. It needs to be like moment by moment. And it can't be this thing I do like at the end of a semester or at the end of a busy week. Like I need to check in with myself routinely. So I think that that's something that I'm still in process with. I wouldn't say it's all figured out, but I'm, I'm definitely a big fan and proponent for self-care in a way that my old past self would have said like, oh, it's okay. I can, I can do whatever. I can take on more. I can take on more. And now I'm kind of questioning that and saying like, well, but do I need to take on more? Mm. So how do you know when like it's enough? You're just thinking about taking a more, taking, you know, taking some off your plate. Cause I was thinking last night a lot about goals. And if sometimes I set too many goals for myself and then like yourself, I'm like, oh my God, I'm burnt out. Yeah. But then it's just this <laughs> thing of, but I want to be successful so badly. So, so how do you, you know, just personally figure out or say, no, not today, just maybe later. What's a good balance? Yeah, I think for me, and this is a funny thing I say to clients a lot too. So I'll just say like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Mm. So I try to think about like, if I do this thing, if I engage, you know, if I engage in this opportunity or if I, if I work a little bit harder in this area or that area, what will the payoff be? And also what will the repercussions be? Like how tired will I be on the other end or how depleted will I be for my own life? Or will it be an opportunity that I might be a little bit tired, but it'll light me up in other ways. So I try to do some forecasting when opportunities arise, as opposed to like, I think what I was doing before, which was just responding yes in the moment. Like that sounds cool. I want to do it. And now I try to be a little bit more thoughtful of like, well, what would this actually look like? What would the time commitment be? How excited would I feel at the end of it? Or what, how might I feel at the end of it? And that has helped me to set really good professional and personal boundaries. Mm, That's really awesome to think of because you said a couple of things on your Instagram before and I've, you know, I've learned a lot <laughs> from you because of your Instagram and I, I take, I literally take notes and there were two that I saved and I was like, let me make sure, are these the ones you had said one that was like, I am imperfect and I hope that you are too. Mm-hmm. 
And so I like that, again, even in talking about self-care, how you're just sharing the elements of you're still working at it and you're still, you know, getting through it so that you don't have to always have it all right. A needed message in the self-care, I guess, realm of things, because when we think about self-care, it's like bubble baths and long vacations, you know, some of us. But for you, sometimes, you know, and like you're teaching us self-care, sometimes it's just taking a step back. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, figuring out what boundaries do and don't work, you know, so that you don't feel overwhelmed. And then there was another that you said that further shares. This is kind of weird. You said that, oh, here it is. You are your own expert. Mm -hmm. And that was really powerful because you have to know yourself to know your boundaries. Absolutely. Oh, you're so right. And that's something that you can't set boundaries if you don't know yourself, because then you're just kind of taking on whatever and hoping that other people set boundaries for you. So right. two great reminders, two great reminders. Yeah. I've, I've saved like several of your, your, your work. So I'm like, oh, I need to remind myself of that. So you are my virtual therapist and don't even know it. <laughs> but you, amazing you are. Like not even kidding. If I was in Dallas, I would be at your, at your private practice. Like no kidding, because your content is that good. Thank I really, really enjoy it. So I want to think about something a little, I would say a little different, but kind of pulling back to the idea that you are a PhD and an entrepreneur. Because those are really two interesting mixes of things. Mm -hmm. And it makes me even think about myself. I too am a PhD and an entrepreneur. And people would look at those like us and say, well, I thought you still be faculty or in administration or something. What was it that led you to your route in terms of just not, I guess, pursuing full faculty life and just doing that without the private practice? Was there something behind it or it just, you know, just is what it is? Yeah, I think so. I've, I've not worked for myself before. I've always worked in systems where for the most part, I've been able to like really establish my own sort of I don't know, connections with others. And I have felt like I have found a place for myself in the different systems that I've worked in. And, and definitely when I was in school, I really wanted to be a faculty member. When I was in grad school, I thought I want to be tenure track at a university. And, and in fact, during my internship year, my last year of training, that's pretty much all I applied to were academic positions. And I didn't get an academic position at a university that would have been reasonable for me to move to. So my partner, you know, we're in Dallas and I didn't get any offers locally. And so I did get an offer for a counseling center locally. And so I decided to do that and actually really fell in love with the professional counseling component. Like I, I think I saw my identity shift a little bit where I thought like, oh, I think I might be a counselor first or a therapist first and then a faculty member second. And so I, I know for myself, and this is true when I think back to myself being really young too, I like a variety of experience. So I don't want like a nine to five you know, check in, I'm on someone else's timeline. And I think just through a lot of conversations with my partner, he, he likes to, he could really have like a master's degree and like by proxy in counseling, just the number of things him and I have processed through over the years. But he actually reflected to me about two years ago, you know, I've just always seen you as someone who will be your own boss. Mm. as you, you don't, not that I don't like authority, but that like, I'm just a, like, I'm more of an innovative thinker and I want to think outside the box and I want to push limits. And when you work in systems, the bureaucracy often doesn't allow for that. So I think through talking to him and really just like, you know, now that I'm able to establish something on my own, I, I feel way more excited and lit up by the opportunity of just, I'm my own limit. 
And that feels really nice to say like, well, today I've got the ability to create a bunch of content on Instagram or today I'm going to, you know, see five clients or whatever. So there's a lot of flexibility in the entrepreneur side of it for me. Mm, I, I love, oh man. Uh, so kindred spirits, <laughs> we are. And not just that, it's, it's beautiful to be empowered women with empowering men. Yes. I'll say that as well, because similar to yourself, my husband was very supportive of my need to try something different. I'd actually left my last job just needing to take care of myself physically, um, heal emotionally. There's just a lot that was going on. And he was like, if you want to do it, I fully support it. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, I was like, I think I'm going to try working for myself. Because like yourself, I've always known nine to five life wasn't for me. Yeah. Although I tried to fit into that mold because this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to use this degree. This is supposed to be this way. It's supposed to post, post. And then it was like, girl, try your freedom. What does that look like? And so, yeah, like you, every day work for me is extremely exciting, even on the hard days, because it's nothing like creating your own and having your own. And, you know, it just works for me. Uh, You know, entrepreneurship isn't for everybody, but it absolutely works for me. And just even really quickly as an entrepreneur, for other first gen who want to be entrepreneurs or thinking about it, who are scared to go forward. And then again, you are a woman entrepreneur at that. So that says even more because some of those, you know, women are the future, but at the same time, we still have to navigate some of those societal barriers of we're supposed to be at home still. But yeah, what is a lesson that you've learned or maybe even something that you just want to share the piece of advice for those who are considering going for entrepreneurship? You know, I think, well, one, it's being patient with yourself and knowing that you're going to make mistakes and that does not make you a failure. It makes you learning like you're in process. So I think that that's something, you know, being patient, having compassion with yourself. I think also like asking a lot of questions and um, knowing that that may not feel comfortable to do. And you might get judgment. You might receive judgment from others. And at the end of the day, no one will advocate for you except for you. So you've got to show up and ask questions and challenge some of the systems that really, you know, that are more oppressive and don't want women to succeed or marginalized folks to succeed. And so that there really is a space for you. And I think that that's been something really cool I've learned. Like I feel I fully feel while while my practice is still growing and while I'm still learning what it even means to be an entrepreneur, I do feel like there's space for me. And I'm so glad I took it up. Mm, oh, I'm so glad I took it up. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Look, I am really the what I love about this podcast. It's just it's not scripted. We have guiding questions, but the reactions and the feelings and what we talk about and how things are said, it's not scripted. And when it hits me, it hits. And I'm just like, yeah, take taking up that space. And I'm so glad. Mm. All right, Dr. Harris, look, this is much needed in this season, especially I think about this new season. And for a lot of people, there are a lot of changes happening. There are a lot of first generation college students that are about to graduate over the next couple of months Mm -hmm. and, you know, face the world. And I just feel like the timing of this is even more exciting because it's, it's no better time for people to hear that this is your time and your now is now, like not now in a couple of months, but it's now, but to have some kind of framework for going forward in this new season of their life, which is really outstanding to me. So we are at the point of of wrapping up and I'm a little sad about it because I'm like, I could talk to you all day. Like I said, you have the juice. You are awesome. And I'm really enjoying the feedback, um, especially from you as a professional and what you're doing. It's very evident that you are skilled in that and very natural in it as well. But yeah, so what I want to know, and I'm sure all of us want to know that one thing that you'll leave us with to carry with us for the rest of our lives, 
what would that thing be? Mm-hmm. What would that lesson be, that thought be that you like to share? Yeah. Oh gosh. I think, you know, we come at who we are honestly. And so that means we come by our fears honestly. And, you know, sometimes we have to show up for ourselves in ways that were not modeled for us, that are not supported for us, where a path has not been laid. And we can be scared and do it anyway, because it's worth it. It's so worth it to believe in yourself and to change your own landscape and really embrace what's out there for you. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Harris, you have been an absolute joy. Well, thank you. So have you. And oh, thank you. Well, thank you. And I am incredibly uh, grateful that you, you know, received the call to come and be a part of the show and that you were willing to connect with me and, you know, that we share this commonality of being first generation entrepreneurs and PhDs and all other fun stuff. I'd like for you to share with us also where we can find you and connect with you on the internet. You did give us your Instagram earlier, but like a website that's good for you so people can connect, especially in the Dallas area. That would be really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is empoweredhealingdallas.com. And on the website, it tells you a little bit more about what I do and how I practice, has some information about my business partner as well. And then the information to contact us through email and phone. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for your time. Good luck to you and everything that lies ahead. Take care of yourself, Dr. Harris. You too. Thanks so much.